My name is Jonathan Weiss. I'm a disabled veteran and a paraplegic. I guess I really wanted to have a chance to tell my story or at least talk to somebody. I'm alone for the most part. After my injury, I went through rehab at Craig Hospital in Denver and then was sent back to my mountain home. I live I live up at around 8,000 feet in Gunnison, Colorado. And it's a nice mountain town. It's pretty quiet. Population a little over 6,000, though we have a college here, uh, Western State. And, of course, we have all the tourists that come in. There's a ski mountain close by called Crested Butte. And, of course, during the summer we have the Lake Blue Mesa and a lot of outdoor activities, hiking, kayaking, rafting, all that kind of stuff. But as much as I love my mountain town, and after I got out of Craig, I was really amped to go and, I guess, restart my life and enjoy all the activities and relearn all the activities, which I started to do and started with some mountain biking and kayaking, which I love to do. But in April of this last year, I was struck by pain, and it kind of came out of nowhere. The pain left me bedridden for a lot of it. Well, it started just kind of minor, and I was in and out of bed, but as the pain got worse, I was confined to my bed and my bedroom for the most part. The hardest part about the pain for me um, has not just been the pain itself, but the struggle for me to validate that. I went to my local doctor and started there and was prescribed pain medication. Um, along with my other regiment of medications, including, you know, muscle relaxers and gabapentin for the nerve pain. And I also take other medicines that help, but the pain just continued to get worse. And every time I moved, every time I would try to get out of bed, every time I would try to do anything, it just... It hit me, and my pain is a mixture of two things. First is what I call the muscle skeletal pain, which is your physical pain that regular people can feel, the overwhelming pain of an injury. The second, because I'm a paraplegic, is the manifestation of that pain in what they call nerve pain or neurogenic pain. The pain starts around my knees or my thighs and then radiates to my to my legs all the way down to my toes. Yes, you can hear my dog barking. <laughs> I have a therapy dog called Butch, um, which is a palm chi and my companion. But anyways, back to the nerve pain. Um, if anybody has ever put their arms or hands in snow, 
and been playing out in the weather and then come in and run it under, you know, warm or hot water, that searing, overwhelming pain that comes from the temperature change, it kind of feels like needles, pins, barbed wire, fire, all of that combined, that's neurogenic pain. So the musculoskeletal pain starts it, but then it spreads to the neurogenic pain in my legs, and it will not stop. The gabapentin that I take helps somewhat, but it only kind of dulls it a little bit. The pain medicine I take, which is oxycodone, I take a minimum dose. It's 10 milligrams four times a day. And while that does help, um, nothing, nothing takes the pain away. So I've been on a mission since April to try to figure out what's going on. Um, I went to my local doctor and again, like I said, he prescribed the pain medication, but subsequent visits to him as well as specialists that he sent me to really kind of revealed nothing. Um, the specialists they first sent me to did cortisone injections in my lower back and my sacrum to try and help, but that didn't help at all. Um, I went back to the surgeon that I saw originally um, out in Grand Junction, the surgeon that had done the procedure on my back after the accident, and I'll get back into the accident later, but he did, they did the CTs and MRIs and x-rays and really didn't give me any answers. The closest I got was one of the doctors at the office noticing that there was some scar tissue buildup around the spinal cord um, in the area of my injury, which is L1, and but sent me home. Um, I went back to my original doctor, my just general practitioner, and tried to explain what was going on, and they put me on an additional pain medication, which was oxycodone. Um, it, it's kind of an extended release pain medication on top of what I was already taking. But the oxycodone set me into an extreme depression. Um, to the point that I wanted to commit suicide. It was that bad. I mean, you combine, you know, the effects of the medication on top that I'm bedridden and basically, <clears throat> excuse me, alone. And it really, it really got bad. On top of this, I had been married and my wife at the time was extraordinarily frustrated with the fact that I wasn't getting out of bed. Uh, her thought and a lot of the, even my doctor's thought was that I was depressed and that that was the reason I wasn't moving. Um, they thought that my lack of desire to do anything had more to do with depression than anything else. So they also put me on what they call venlafaxine, which is the generic for Effexor, um, which helps, um, as well as taking me off the oxycodone, which I begged them to do. But again, 
the pain just never stopped. And, you know, the repercussion was I was confined um, due to the pain. Uh, my wife got frustrated. It ended up working more and more hours and, again, blamed me, um, saying basically it was all in my head. And going back to the doctor and um, actually going to see a psychiatrist locally about it, um, they were they were absolutely convinced that the pain was something I was using as an excuse or a crutch to, well, as an excuse not to do anything. So, battling with my local general practitioner here in Gunnison, um, it came down to him yelling at me over the fact that he thought that I was essentially a junkie looking for more pain medicine to justify, well, twofold, you know, thinking it was an addiction, number one, and number two, to justify me staying indoors and not doing anything. Um, again, they were convinced that this was something psychological and not physical. Um, so the altercation got bad with him in regards to verbally. Um, I was extraordinarily frustrated and hurting. And, um, well, um, one thing came to another, and uh, we parted ways um, to the effect that, you know, they, um, well, he sent me a letter telling me that he was no longer going to see me. And I, myself, decided I didn't want to see him either if nothing was going to get done. So I, well, after that, I had to figure out what to do. So luckily, as a disabled veteran, I have the VA at my disposal. And um, while I live far away from the Denver VA, which is who I have been seeing kind of here and there, um, because they've got an amazing clinic called the Jewel Clinic, which helps out with disabled veterans that are either missing a limb or paralyzed. Um, they help with physical things like my catheters, my wheelchairs, stuff like that. So anyways, I, um, the VA has got what they call the Choice Program. Um, Colorado has something similar. I think it's called Care in the Community. But I was able to track down a coordinator, um, very sweet lady, who's been helping me. And she found me a local doctor well, <laughs> locals, kind of a... Um, she found me a doctor out in Montrose, Colorado, which is about an hour and 45-minute drive, um, and went to go see him. Um, so coordinating with him, and at the time, I also had coordinated with Craig Hospital, who had done my rehabilitation after my accident, uh, to come in as an outpatient. So I came into Craig with this pain, trying to get a resolution. And again, um, their whole thought with their team was that this was, again, a psychological issue, not a physical issue, that they didn't understand why I was in so much pain. And the battle ensued, so to speak, with them as well, um, until 
I was able to actually meet with a surgeon that works through Craig Hospital. Um, his name is Dr. Fauci. And looking at the scans, you know, my MRIs, my CTs, and stuff like that that had been done at Grand Junction, uh, St. Mary's, he took a look at those and consulted with me and finally figured out what's wrong. I have what's called a tethered spinal cord. Um, it doesn't happen immediately. The scar tissue grows after surgery in some patients and actually ends up pulling on the spinal cord, uh, mine specifically pulling close to the area of my injury in the L1. Um, there are a bundle of nerves in that area that branch out from the spinal cord. Um, these run down the extremities, down the leg, and they're called the cauda equina. So pulling on the, you know, the scar tissue, which builds up over time, which is why my pain started suddenly in April and not immediately after my accident. So Dr. Fauci figured out that I've got a tethered spinal cord and there are two options, surgery. Uh, one is a simple untethering and they go in there and remove a lot of the scar tissue that's pulling on the cord. Um, from his um, explanation to me, it has about a 50-50 chance of removing the pain. It works for some reason in some patients and not in others. So, I mean, the surgery sounds like an amazing option. So after looking at this option, I was also explained, um, or he explained to me that if this doesn't work, there is a secondary surgery. Um, the secondary surgery goes into the cord itself uh, or the area around the cord and removes a lot of the scar tissue buildup all the way down. The problem with this surgery is that, and I'll explain my injury in detail in another uh, episode, another podcast, but I'm what they call an incomplete paraplegic. That means that because my injury occurred at the L1 area, I've got some movement and some function below my level of injury. So for me, that means I can move my legs a little bit. Um, with a walker, I can move slowly. And I was even learning to walk slowly with forearm crutches before the pain started. So this surgery that was explained to me and um, as a secondary measure in case the first one doesn't work does go in there and he guarantees it will remove the pain but it runs the risk of actually paralyzing me below my chest. So bladder, bowel function as well as of course the leg movement that I've got would be gone um, in the worst case scenario. But the pain is so bad that for me, that option, I, basically, I don't care. I, if it happens, it happens. Get rid of this damn pain. Um, I look at my pain as a scale. If you've, it, I mean, all of you have been into a doctor's office or the hospital, and they've got a little chart on the wall with the, <laughs> with the happy faces, you know, 
one to ten on the pain scale with a little happy to sad. And I live at around an eight to a ten on that scale every day. So depending on the day, depending, I guess, sometimes how I sleep, um, how I move, what happens, um, yeah, my pain varies on that. But I don't get below an eight now, which is unfortunate. Um, Before the pain started, I used to live somewhere around a four to a six on that scale. I mean, the pain was never gone, but it was functional. I could live with it. But now with the pain at an eight and above, it's what keeps me bedridden. So looking at the surgery options and looking at what's available to me, um, I talked to them about, of course, insurance. So as a completely disabled veteran and, of course, completely disabled in regards to my situation, the only insurance options that I have currently are Medicaid, Medicare, and the VA. So I talked to the surgeon's office, and they explained to me that they would take Medicaid, but that I would have to go through the process of getting the Medicaid approved, getting the surgery approved through Medicaid. So after the visit with Craig Hospital, um, I ended up going back to my regular doctor's office, my general practitioner in Montrose. I spoke with him about the situation. Um, I also spoke with him at the same time about pain medicine because I needed a new prescriber. Um, so twofold. Um, first is with the pain medicine, he didn't feel comfortable prescribing it. There's a whole war on opioids, as I'm sure everybody knows about. So he sent me to another doctor, which is in Salida. Uh, Salida, Colorado, from Gunnison, Colorado, is about an hour and ten minutes away. But it's also over one of the most treacherous mountain passes in Colorado, a mountain pass called Monarch. And during the summer, it's not really an issue to do the drive. But right now, in wintertime, with the amount of snow we have, it can be very, very dangerous. And for me, um, and I'll explain this later in another episode, I drive with hand controls in my truck, and it's just not a comfortable situation for me. I have done the trip once and was able to see him, um, and he was able to prescribe the medication again. And I am due to see him shortly, coming up next month again. And I'm hoping that the weather will cooperate and allow me to be able to make the trip. But in the interim, I am getting the pain medication, which is good. But going back to the discussion on the surgery, uh, the doctor out there, he decided that um, with my encouragement... um, that he would work with Medicaid because the insurance that pays for his visits is actually through the VA, through the Choice Program. Um, That's actually TRICARE is the provider. So he put the request in while I was in the office, and this was about three months ago, and I'm waiting. All I'm doing right now is sitting literally um, in my room And I'll explain a little more about my situation in another episode. But right now, my 18-year-old son, Tyler, and myself are living in a small hotel in Gunnison. Um, 
and literally I am still confined to my room. But at this point, I am waiting. I have no Medicaid contacts. I've made it clear to the doctor's office that I need help in making sure this gets scheduled. Um, I've talked to People Care, who I'll explain later. They're the ones that come in and help with chores for me because I'm an, unable to do like laundry and cleaning and stuff like that. Um, so hopefully they'll help. But right now I am kind of stuck in the holding pattern, waiting for the doctor's office to let me know what's going on with Medicaid so I can get the surgery done. So right now I'm sitting in my room in the hotel. I've got my dog Butch on my lap and the pain today is not as bad. I'm at about eight, uh, about eight and a half and um, it's been quiet. I have the TV on but I kind of lose focus and I, I really have a hard time getting into anything. Um, I listen to audiobooks a lot I've got an Amazon Alexa, the Echo thing, and I listen to all kinds of audiobooks. Uh, right now, I'm re-listening to a book called Educated by Tara West, I believe it's Tara Westover. I'm uh, really enjoying the book, listening, it, you know, listening to it a second time to kind of, you got to get the details from it, and... Um, but my, I mean, my day is consumed with a few phone calls, some friends, um, but nobody comes to visit. I get up and I make some food to eat. I take my dog outside. Just I sit at the porch on my wheelchair and let him, you know, kind of run around a bit on his leash. And come back in. He sticks. He's a he's a Velcro dog. <laughs> So he, he sits by my side, and I make my calls trying to get the surgery scheduled, trying to get uh, all these medical needs taken care of, but it's really, really hard for me. I've got envelopes and mail that have piled up. I've got boxes and crates stacked in my room. Um... I have to use, you know, special accommodations for showering and for, for the restroom. And so I try to manage cleaning and up a little bit and taking care of a few things. But it's hard being alone and trying to fight the whole system by yourself. Paralyzed or not, disabled veterans, this is what we go through. Everybody talks about care being there and people being there for you but I can tell you it's been nine months since the VA has been out here um, there was an order put in to fix my wheelchair that was done six months ago and they came out initially to assess what was wrong and put the order in for new parts but they haven't been back I've made calls to the VA trying to get them to come back out but so far no result Health and Human Services that's very much aware of my condition locally. Um, they've got a group that heads up your elderly and disabled individuals in town. And again, it's been probably about nine months since they've been out as well. You know, I think friends are scared of my condition. I know it's kind of weird, but 
scared or awkward about coming over so nobody comes to visit. So I'm left alone. Uh, luckily, my 18-year-old son, who's in high school here in town, um, he drives my truck, and so he's able to go to the grocery store for me and take care of some errands for me that I need. But other than Tyler, my son, I really don't have a chance to visit or see anybody. It's kind of my own little prison, you know, small hotel room with my bed and TV and audiobooks. And, um, and that's it. That's my life right now, waiting for Medicaid to figure out the surgery situation. And again, left alone in a town that is very much aware of my condition and my predicament, but has decided to isolate me for some reason. So, hence the podcast. I feel maybe getting this out, maybe voicing some of the concerns, talking about my life and situation, and go. I will go into the accident details as well as some of my military history in the upcoming podcast. Um, you know, it's it's very disappointing. I am I'm having a very hard time every day getting up, going through the motions of basic, you know, make some coffee, <laughs> you know, take care of my dog, get something to eat, and trying to find something that will keep my mind occupied enough to keep me from dwelling on, on just dwelling on everything. So I hope maybe you'll listen to the podcast and the upcoming episodes. You know, it's kind of meant for me and for my ability to get this out and to talk a little bit about the situation. But maybe it'll be educational for people to kind of see what disabled veterans go through, what paraplegics go through, and what life is like in a small mountain town. So I hope you have enjoyed this first episode, kind of the introduction, and I look forward to putting more out, kind of going into some more details about my life post and pre-accident and military history, as well as going into paraplegia and explaining a little bit more about what life is like in that way. So thank you very much for listening to this first episode of my podcast and Butch, who's on my lap, and I thank you very much for your time, and hopefully, hopefully, this will be educational and also cathartic for me as well. Have a wonderful day, and thank you for tuning in to the first episode.